Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, I assume that we haven't talked because T-Boy Lachalet is out of the country and you had no picks, or were you out of the well, country? Uh, well, I was out of the country, so T-Boy, he, he, he likes to get his algorithm tested the first couple of weeks, so now he's up and running and ready to go, you know? Okay. So it's that... a very sensitive machine he has down there. Yeah. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Carville, by the way, opened with a three and two week. Not bad. Monkey took gas. The monkey went 0 and 3. We're still waiting on the Monday night game for uh, Jeff Ma and uh, for Chuck Todd, both of whom will have winning weeks. I thought the monkey took Philadelphia over Washington. Did he? I thought he did. Oh, then maybe. Wait, let me go back in my notes. I just sort of assumed he took Washington. Because he it was against Chuck right. Todd. Yeah, I think he said normally he goes against That's Chuck. That's exactly right. So the monkey was 1 and 2. And the monkey is now five and four. Yeah, the monkey knows the FedEx field advantage. <laughs> By the way, can I say this about the Washington team? They were terrible. Awful. I don't want to hear about Carson Wentz anymore. I'm just, you know, yeah. he's no good. No, he's not. They're no good, and he's no good. It's almost like there's a reason no he wasn't good. playing for the other team anymore. Yeah. Philadelphia was happy to see him because they knew how to defend him. And Philadelphia, by the way, had about 65% of the crowd. Yes. Maybe 70%. Could have been, yeah, 70, they 75. Yeah. Dave Sims from Philadelphia wanted to know about that. said, did my boys take the town? Yeah, your they boys did. took the town. I'm going to open with a couple of emails here. I'm late on this one. This is from Lisa G. And this is from last week. We will be visiting D.C. this weekend. And I wanted to see what you might recommend we do since we won't be able to visit Chatter. The president had to reschedule our White House tour to Saturday. Guess he must be busy. So now we have a lot of free time on Friday the 23rd. That was last Friday, this past Friday. We plan to get bagel sandwiches at whatever the nearest Bethesda bagel is. But are there other places to eat at that are good? How about to drink and watch college football? I know you're old and stay locked in your attic most of the time. But maybe Michael can help with some recommendations for two folks in their 30s. I have no clue where they're staying. And I got to be late. I was late on that. I apologize to Lisa from New York. I can hope o- they found a good local place. Lisa G. Yeah, there's a TV at the Palm. You know, there's always, yeah. always something there. And Bill Isaacson, and this is a, an important email. And this, let's put the Burger King thing to bed almost. Okay. I know that the answers to all of our questions, not to mention any questions about the Big Ten, tend to be money. But sometimes the answer to your questions about money is the Google machine. For example, I took a look at a site that tracks Burger King prices state by state across the country. The site reports that for August 2022, the low price across the nation for a Whopper meal is $6.49 in Alabama. That's less than half of what I was charged. In Alaska, where you would expect to pay higher prices, it is $7.92. In Arizona, Wilbon has to pay $7.20, and in Illinois, he's paying $7.40. For your beach place in Delaware, it's $7.53, and when you drive through Maryland, it's $8.18. In California, they're jamming people for $8.31. And here in the District of Columbia, the cost of non-statehood includes a Whopper meal for $8.70, the highest price in the country, and still a lot less than you paid. The D.C. price is even 20 cents more than New York at $8.50, and 7 cents more than Hawaii at $8.63. And he also writes... I think I'm going to stop looking for a DC license plate starting with GX, GY, or GZ, or JB, and start looking for a BK0870, <laughs> Bill Isaacson. That, it's the most expensive place for a Whopper in the country. Yeah. And it's still $5 less than I paid. I got cheated at the Connecticut Avenue Burger King. <laughs> I got cheated. And to that point... Can you name another Burger King in the city? No. In this quadrant of the city, that's the there only one. There used to be one down, like Wisconsin and M, but I think that's been gone for years now. Yeah. yeah. To this, to the point of Burger King, one more time. Gone like your chicken selects, Nige. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let me wish everybody a happy Lashana Tova. Well, I don't have to say a happy Lashana Tova, because it means happy new year. Today's the beginning of the new year. Um, actually, last night was the beginning of the new year. And towards that end, people from Baltimore who write me occasionally and send me stuff often, Send me, like, things to eat often. Michael Kinslinger and Bill Horner write to TK and family. May the year ahead be filled with all kinds of wonderful possibilities and whoppers for you. They sent me a Burger King gift card. Ooh, look at that. I don't know how much it is for. It's for thirteen seventy-two. Huh? Is it valued for thirteen seventy-two? we No, hope? I don't well, know. Don't it's, use it in the district. Yeah. I don't know what they... No, you got to maximize I, that, yeah. Yeah, well, I can do it. 
I can use it, and it's a minimum of $15. So even when they try to cheat me at the Burger King on Connecticut Avenue, even when they try to cheat me, I'm going to be able to make it. Do you have strong opinions on the Burger King fries? No, I've always thought that the best fries, honestly, were the McDonald's fries. And I think that's because they use sugar on them. Probably, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I don't. I, do you ever do the trick where you ask for the fries with no salt so you try and get them fresh out of the fryer? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, know about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good move. No, the, the Burger King one, some people think they're a little too starchy. And by some people, I mean you, my childhood <laughs> self. Yeah, okay. I got this note. Who are the people that normally or in the past have sent us beautiful wood things like pen holders or stuff like that yeah aren't they the mitkowskis isn't it something like mitkowski i apologize if i've gotten this wrong and aren't they either from michigan or wisconsin and haven't they been very nice to us you're giving me that look that you don't know i don't remember it sounds okay. familiar so I'll this agree is a you. different yes. person this is from zach evans in franklin tennessee Despite the bleak tomato harvest at your house this past summer, I thought it would be nice to send you a handcrafted cutting board that I make as a hobby for any future fruits or vegetables that may need sliced, diced, or cut. I've been a fan of the show back to the ESPN Zone days, where I once met you in person along with Dan the Duke Davis. I brought my copy of I'm Back for More Cash for You to sign, which you were happy to autograph for me. I'm hoping to be named the I'm Back for More Cash Hobby Woodworker, that's easy, of the Tony Kornheiser Show, as I try to use as much reclaimed wood in my projects as possible. For example, the wood I used in your cutting board was salvaged from the burn pile of another woodworker, maple, offcuts from a wood slab vendor, walnut, and an antique desk that was about to be thrown away mahogany. The only new wood in this cutting board is the black-hued ebony, which I purchased with a coupon through a local retailer to test out working with this species. I don't sell the cutting boards I make. I only use them for gifts, and should the wood or coloring not work with the decor of the house in D.C., please feel free to locate it, relocate it to Delaware, give it to Michael or Liz, or add it to the prize closet for March Madness. From my hands to your home, I hope that this gift is well-used and well-loved. You see, something as simple as a cutting board will provide blessings to all that share a meal with you in the home that you are making. The care and tenderness that goes into its crafting is mirrored in the care and tenderness that goes into a shared meal. May it bear witness to many years of love, laughter, and shared experiences between your family and those you love. Thank you for the laughter and entertainment. I've shared the joys of your show with my wife and four kids, most of whom tolerate it and my constant references to it. Zach Evans, Eight Kitchen Outlets, Ontario High School, Mansfield, Ohio, home of the Onorama Yearbook, once flew on a Southwest airplane with former President Al Gore about a month after he lost 2000 election, talk about a downgrade, and a 13-pound <laughs> Havachon, which I guess is a dog. And he enclosed cutting board care instructions. It's beautiful. It really is. And by the way, that, that paragraph about from my hands to your home, that's as beautiful a piece of writing as I've had sent to me in a long time. This is, I wish you were all watching on News Channel 8. Isn't it beautiful? It, there's just, so many different kinds of Yeah, wood. there's a beautiful um, change of the pattern with the colors in the wood. It's just, thank you're, you. You're going to have to take care of that. You're going to have to. Uh, well, you'll tell me. Okay, I have, I have a cutting board uh, mineral solution for okay, you. Okay, so we'll do that. <clears throat> so that's lovely. On an odd level... Uh, just charcuterie a, board. A quick, oddery, yeah. a quick oddity. Um, as you know, well, you don't know, but I'm going to tell you in a second. I was eliminated in the club championships on Friday, eliminated soundly. And uh, on Saturday, I went out with Daryl Clark to Needwood, which is a public golf course in Durwood, Maryland, which is a lot closer to me than I thought. Not way up 270, not almost to Frederick, just by Shady Grove Road. It's not that far. It's in Gaithersburg. A better course than I had been led to believe it would be. I had fun. A bunch of reachable par fours for me from the Golds. Before I go to tee off, I'm standing at the area. And we ended up playing with a father and son. Uh, Mark was the dad and the son was Chris. Very pleasant. I think they knew who I was because Chris kept asking me, do you think I'm safe with Buffalo minus five and a half? <laughs> yeah, so I thought they knew who I was. Evidently uh, not, though. It yeah. turned out it didn't work out that way. Right. Um, I said to him, look, Miami's got incentive. I think Buffalo's better, but Miami's got incentive. And in any case, as we're getting ready to tee off, who should come walking down? And, and I go, I guess they'll let anybody play here. Is Neville. <laughs> Neville. <laughs> Neville comes down in a red shirt and a pair of plaid shorts, and he's ready to play. And I, he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I got eliminated, and the course is locked up for the rest of the tournament. At any point during the round, did he hit into you? 
He was right behind us. He was in the group behind us. No, they didn't hit into us. He's kind of pushing you along. No, they didn't hit into us, but it was <laughs> lovely, just wonderful to see Neville. I know Neville listens, so he'll hear this. So let me get to let me get to my own golf experience. As I told you, I feared that I would be eliminated in the quickest possible way, 10 and 8. I would lose the first 10 holes, right? And and I would not be able to recover and the match would be over. 10 and 8. I started out I lost the first four holes. I doubled. Look, I just want to tell you this. I bladed, with the exception of one shot on number nine, a chip shot from behind the green, after I bladed the first chip on my third shot and went behind the green. I'm sorry, on my fourth shot, I bladed the chip. On my fifth shot, from about 10 yards off the green, I chipped it in and I won the hole. I won 10. Nine, rather. I won nine. Anyway, I lost the first four holes. I doubled the first four holes. Doubled them. Lost them all. I doubled the fifth hole, but so did he. Matt Sullivan, a very nice guy. He deserved to win. I deserved to lose. If I played well, I could have won, maybe. But if he played well, he would have won. But I deserved to lose. I'm down four after four. And I'm thinking, my God, it's going to be 10 and 8. You're looking at me. No, I'm just going to say you have to describe the conditions because people were not here on Friday. They don't know how cold it was. They don't know about the Chilly, wind. windy. Chilly, I would windy. not give anyone a putt inside of a foot. But I, uh, but I will tell you, Michael, that on the first hole, after a very, very bad drive, I got in position on my second shot. Um, I was about 60 yards out, 50, 60 yards out. I took out a gap wedge. I bladed it way behind the green. I got on the green in four and two putted. I was not, you know, this is what, every time I got, you told me, and you were right, get in position so your third shot is a wedge and you can have a par putt and you'll do fine. And I was in position on almost every hole. Sometimes I would blade them or sometimes I'd hit them short into the sand or into the water on number two. Into the water. Nobody hits it in the water on two into the water on two, then bladed the fourth shot. I was just awful. I actually bogeyed, double bogeyed the first five holes. And Matt double bogeyed number five too. So after five, I was down four. After six, six, I played okay. I won six. Roadrunner. There we go. Seven, I, I, my third shot, I'm sorry, my second shot on seven, I hit into the trap on the left. My third shot, I hit the ball and not the sand, hit it past the shack. Hit it like 80 yards in the air, <laughs> past the shack. Like ridiculous. Couldn't get on. Yes, I lost that hole. I won nine. Um, I, so so I'm, I lost seven. I'm down four again. I won eight. Eight was right into the wind. It's a par three. It was playing 190. I took out driver. I wasn't even the slightest bit embarrassed. I hit it like... 12 feet past the hole, and I parred that hole and won that hole. And then on nine, I chipped in. So I'm only down two going into the back. I'm feeling pretty good now because I can't be worse. I cannot be worse. I'm boring everyone. No, no. Could you go back to the first four holes? Yeah. Okay. Doubles on the first four, right? Doubles on the first five. Oh, but you won five. I didn't win it. Okay. I tied it. Split it, yeah. I tied it. I lost 10. Because I lost 10, I hit a good drive. I hit a second shot into the trap. I hit a third shot over the green. The pin was up high. I got onto the green and rolled 35 feet past. So I doubled that hole and I lost that. Then I tied 11, 12, and 13. So I'm down three going into 14 and I'm going to make the tunnel. Like I now know I'm going to make the tunnel. I'm pretty happy. I win 14 with a bogey. I'm down two, and I go into the tunnel for 15, 16, 17, and 18. 15 is my favorite hole on the course. I usually do very well. Not this time. On my second <laughs> shot. 15 is your favorite hole because you can cut off early and go up to the shaft. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I can quit the, the round. Uh, 15, I hit my second shot into a trap on the right, and then I was done. And then 16, um, Matt put it. In dry territory. That, that's a water hole, 16. Matt was dry. Not in a good spot, but Matt was dry. I teed off, went into the water, shook his hand. Lost four and two. I, I was not... 
was better than you thought you would do. It was better than I thought I would do. I played really, really poorly on one specific area. The rest of it wasn't all that bad. But he was a very nice guy. He's got three kids. They all play hockey. I think one of them goes to Gonzaga. Um, so maybe he knows Matthew Wilbon at this point. I had a really good time. So did you enjoy the the internal ups and downs as you were going through yes. the round? Did you enjoy yes. how your body was responding to the good and the bad? Did you come up with a new game plan if certain shots weren't working out? Or did you just hit what, and hope? What game plan could I have if I'm 40 yards and in and I can't hit that shot? I bladed every time. That. Even though I went to the range specifically to hit that shot, and I hit it every time on the range. Looked great on the range, right? I'm all range. I'm an all range player. You would have not you're a bull, been proud you're a bullpen of me. pitcher. You would not have been proud of me. Yes, I'm a bullpen pitcher. I'm I'm proud that you actually went through this because <laughs> I, I think the great the great thing about golf is it lets somebody at your age still compete. And this yeah. is and the, I was the point of having whites. flights. This is the point of why we have handicaps. But you have not. You know, you're not going to go play pickup basketball again. No. I was playing from the whites, and it's exceedingly hard for me to get to the green in two uh, or in three on any of those. But I did on number, f- on number 12. I got on in three. I was pretty happy about that. No, that's a part five. Um, glad I played. I didn't know there was a dinner the night before. I didn't know. I didn't go, so I didn't know. I also, it's, apparently, it's... I didn't know there was a charge to play in the tournament, <laughs> and apparently that includes the dinner. So oh. well, you'll call up and, and, and challenge the charge. No, I won't. I mean, I didn't. I just didn't know there was the dinner. Well, you'll just say I didn't know. So I think you should you should no, sort of put I a box to together that. for me, so I have something to you know. That would be nice <laughs> right, if they yeah. gave me a box of to pint of the ice cream, mate. <laughs> yeah, the chocolate ice cream. That would be nice. That's such a good suggestion. I hadn't thought of that. Yep, <laughs> hadn't thought of that. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return. Yes, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. We begin with... This is sent to us by the great Robert Byrd, who writes, The Diane Kruger Effect is back. It's been almost four years since the last DKE album dropped. During that interregnum, the world has become an utter hellscape. Is it our fault? To be perfectly honest, some days it is hard to find reasons for answering no to that question. However, we are bestowing the best remedy upon the world we could conjure. Our second album, New Life Smell, 12 Songs to a Bettering You, will be released on November 1st. <laughs> These MP3s are the perfect stocking stuffer for that someone in your life for whom you must buy a gift that seems like you're trying to get something cool, but that you know for sure will leave them dissatisfied. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> this song is called Experiments in Sound, and it plays in Michael Wilbon. And for the third week in a row in the NFL season, the early slate of games was tremendous, simply tremendous. Even your team, the Chicago Bears, wearing fabulous helmets. Like, it was looked like the Michigan helmet, but the stripes were in orange, the orange that the Bears wear. Even your team won late. It, it's The Sunday night game again stunk, but the early games were all good. What do you make of this so far? Nothing. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I know how people like to sort of go crazy and draw conclusions because they're just orgasmic over the NFL. I, they're great game. It, the games are electrifying. They are. They are. They just I don't make anything. They're, they're, you know, the teams are, a lot of the teams are fairly even. Um, the, 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 there's a group of top teams, we think. Um, we don't know whether it's really going to include Tampa or not based on their injuries and Brady's interest level and whether it's maintained for an entire season. But there's some other teams. Some teams have been overstated. I picked, in my confidence pool, I picked Miami to beat Buffalo. Yeah, you didn't think that was an upset. No, it's not an upset. I don't, I don't care about what Vegas is, and I don't look at the games that way. I, I pick the games based on who I think is the better team and who's going to win. And because it's a confidence pool, it's your confidence level. So I picked Miami with about a 
seven or eight point confidence, not eight point spread. Right. Eight point confidence. So I picked that game. I also at at ten o'clock yesterday morning when I flew back in from Chicago, uh I had Indianapolis beating Kansas City. You're kidding. That would be the no. one I would never yeah. have. Because yeah. you, you're, you're the first guy to say Matt Ryan's done. He is done. That is a, it's a game, Tony. We're not talking about a series. We're talking about football. We're talking about the ability to win a game. And Indianapolis, as in three weeks ago, was being picked by some people to make a deep run in the playoffs. That's right. So if people think they're that good, then they can beat Kansas City for a game. Dynasty of one. So I, at 10 o'clock, I had, I had Kansas City losing to Indianapolis, and then at noon, I kind of sit and I ponder over stuff, and I go, is there something I really want to change? And I, I changed it. I, I changed it to, to pick uh, Kansas City with, a, I don't know, a, again, a seven- or eight-point confidence level, you know, somewhere midway. And, uh, I, and so I, I finished second in the pool, to my own brother, so I'm in a very angry mood this morning. Well, because even if I think Don and I have the same winner tonight, whoever that is, so I can't beat him. Giants in Dallas. All because I didn't pick uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis didn't stay with it yet. The Buffalo game, well, a lot of the games ended in a spectacular way. They were. were. The Buffalo game had two different endings. Buffalo's going to win that game. Josh Allen short arms a pass yeah. to an open guy in the end zone. Josh Allen, a dependable passer, yeah. short arms a pass and gets down on his knees afterwards. He's so yeah. upset. And then they couldn't get the last play off. Um, they couldn't do that. I mean, that that game, Tua looked good. There's this interesting thing, Mike, that the NFLPA is upset that Tua was let out of the concussion protocol and back into the game that quickly. I, I don't know what to make of that. That's an interesting story, isn't well, it? Well, you know, they said that it was a back injury. The doctors in, in real time, that it was a back thing, and that's why he stumbled like that. There wasn't, I, you know, I trust the doctors. I don't care what the PA has to say about that. Right. Sorry. Right. I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, there were just, you mentioned Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady's interest level. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played three games. In none of those three games have they looked particularly good. In none of those three games have they scored a bunch of points. But 45-year-old Tom Brady with a minute 30 left took him down the field at the end and scored a touchdown. And I was was going back and forth with Jeff Leonardo, my friend Jeff. And I said, it looks like he's done. And then I said, oops, I may have (laughs) been a bit premature. Now, it's a terrible circumstance where you get a delay and you and you're too. You can't get a delay. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, how know you, I mean, can't, I mean, can't, can't. These people, the, these coaches, sleep in their offices four nights a week. Can't do it. And you got to You get a delay. Come no, it, that's absolutely awful. You can't do it. And the other the other things that surprised me, I had written down as a question for you: How awful are Minnesota and Washington? And then I write down: Oh no, Cousins delivers. <laughs> I, yeah, ah. I don't. I thought. I don't think Minnesota's awful. I think Minnesota can win a division. Wow. Um, I, you know, Washington's awful. Oh, awful. But I don't think Minnesota's awful. And, I, I, and even though Detroit is, what, one and two, I don't think they're awful. They, they can score. I mean, they were up in that game. Yes. Did they have a 10-point lead in that game at one time? I don't know if it was 10, but they score in every single quarter, and yeah, they man. run. They, they're exciting to watch. They're much better than I ever thought – they yeah, they're, they're, they're exciting to watch, at least now, that you can get beat down over time, and all of a sudden you lose some of that enthusiasm, and, and that, that has to be involved in that offense, and, and we don't know if they can sustain that. But, no, the Vikings aren't awful. The Vikings have players. I would say that the most surprising result to me was, unlike you, was Indianapolis beating Kansas City. But the second most surprising result, and you have to temper it, because Justin Herbert is not 100%. But Jacksonville scored an awful lot of points. Yeah, yeah, and Trevor often, Lawrence yeah. looked awfully good. And it yeah. makes you think, it makes you step back and have this comment. Doug Peterson must know what he's doing. He won with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. And now he's got this kid, and this kid looks good. Right, Mike? He must know. Yeah, and, and, and yes, he's being, you know, <laughs> guys, when they're coached, look better because they're being coached 
We don't know what Urban Meyer was doing last year. You're right. That's why you don't you don't hire him and put him in that situation. And I was not a guy who thought that Urban Meyer was going to absolutely automatically fail because he was a college guy. I didn't. I thought he might be the exception. That he might be more like Jimmy, and he wasn't anything like Jimmy Johnson. Um, but, but yeah, but this guy knows how to coach. Period. And so, I, you know, I didn't. I I I didn't dwell on the Jacksonville game. You know, I, I did pick the Chargers, and that coach is. He's got. He's really good at some things. I think he's a fool. What is Brandon? What's his name? Staley. He's a fool. He goes he's in on a fourth all the time. You know, he's wearing a rib bag. He's got that guy in there down like 38-14 at the end of the game. I agree. What I don't get doing? it. I don't get it. What are you doing, I don't dude? get it. Just because he took the shot and he didn't feel the pain. I, I think he's a raging egomaniac. That was... I also feel that way that that was absolutely insane yeah i would have even said to him and i would i wrote this to you are you sure you want to take the shot to play jacksonville shouldn't we be jacksonville anyway well i miscalculated on no, that i i wouldn't have thought that no i don't think no i don't think they're that good again telling you all these teams not all of them most of them can play again detroit can beat you they can you know, I mean, the Bears are two and one, and they're not any good. They have no offensive line. We don't know if, if Fields can even play, but they, you know, they can. They ran for three hundred yards yesterday. Let me say it again: three hundred yards. The Bears did. I think it was two seventy something, two eighty seven. The last time they did that, a guy carrying the ball for them was named Walter Payton. Yeah, it's a long time ago. All right, so yeah. that so they got two runners, and and I hope that you know Montgomery, our primary running back, is not. Injured, but we got another guy, guy that nobody even knows, you know, from like in Washington, D.C. They don't know who Khalil Herbert is. I know who he is. But the, Bear, the Bears can run the ball. Their, their, their teams have stuff. You know, everybody's got a little something. Uh, maybe with the exception of the Washington football team. Yeah. Um, maybe they have some. They got two receivers. Cincinnati they came back. They receivers like to have. They just have a quarterback who is, yeah. as you know, I've thought from day one, most one of the more overrated players in the league today. Cincinnati, Tennessee, they won. The Raiders did not. Raiders are 0-3, and it yeah. leads to this question. Uh, this guy, Josh McDaniels, name me one guy that Bill Belichick has put into a coaching position other than Bill Belichick who's done well. Name me one. Well, I mean, you could look at the coach of Tennessee. He, he was not his lieutenant. No, he was not. He played for him. Right, he played for him. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that Bill Belichick had no impact on him in his life and as a coach. But I just love it that McDaniel looks like a clown. He does. Like that that he, makes me happy. He does so far. Do uh, you want to describe Northwestern? No. No? We're, we're... We've fallen and we can't get up. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have. We have three straight losses. In the soft, the softest part of your schedule, I mean, we can't beat Duke, Southern Illinois, which had lost to like a dental school the previous <laughs> week. <laughs> and then I was at the bowl. I was at the Miami Ohio game Saturday. I was I was there. Oh, you went? I was there because I I treated it. I needed to have meetings with people. We're building a new stadium in, in Evanston, Tony. We're building a college football stadium, which will change the way college football stadiums are built. I mean, you know, you, you saw our field house. Beautiful. Yeah, well, that was, is still, you know, you get passed over time, but we're not passed surpassed yet. Um, and we're doing that with a football stadium. And, I, you know, there, there's some elements that, that I'm involved in as you try to get this thing done and at a university. Uh, and I'm a trustee. And so there, there are meetings, there are things you have to do. And I just said, you know what, let me just do these things because these people are at this game and I can see them all. It was a night game. And I'm like, what the hell, I'm not going back to Sunday. We'll play, we'll win a close game, I'll be annoyed. But we'll win a 17-14 to 14 game and that's that. Yeah, well, we lost a 17-14 to 14 game to Miami of Ohio. And we've fallen and we can't get up. And, you know, we got the, the Big Ten portion of the schedule resumes. I think it resumes with like Penn State. Mm. So I'm like, okay, this is. We got Ohio State. We got, I mean, Maryland. Maryland played a great 
Yes, they did what against a great Michigan. Effort against Michigan, a game which I watched a lot. We have Maryland here in a few weeks. I may not go to another game. I, I, I'm, I'm did you sit in the like, stands for the after the game and be angry? No, okay. that was the Duke game. And okay. That was coming off of the win over Nebraska. Okay, I just want to make no, sure. No, I, I was gone. I was out. I'm like, okay, not going to let the traffic hit me. Okay. On the way back to Chicago on a Saturday night, I'm gonna I'm out of here, and I listened to the end of the game on the radio. So no, we we have fallen. We can't get up, and it's just not going to be this. I I didn't think this was going to be one of our seasons where we pick up and can get to a conference championship game like we've done two out of the last four years. I always thought that was going to be next year. And, and God, now I'm hoping it can be next year, really, because it ain't going to be this year. All right. All right, I'll see you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Richard Justice will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This again is the Diane Kruger effect. This song is called Bullet Train, and Robert Byrd writes, Why? Because we found this sweet Shinkansen drop and built a song around it. That's just how the DKE rolls. I asked Jason if we could build a song around the sound my electric toothbrush makes when the battery is low, but the 23 seconds of silence that followed my request suggested we were going to go in another direction. (laughs) This is called Bullet Train. Plays in Richard Justice. We're going to talk. I watched, I'm sure you did the same thing. Um, I tuned in the baseball game last night instead of the football game, and every time, the first three times anyway, that Aaron Judge got up, uh, I made sure to watch because it's so exciting, and particularly in Yankee Stadium where everybody stands when he gets up. Everybody stands. They all want him to hit 61. He hasn't hit it. It's five or six games now which he's gone without a home run. I assume he's going to hit 61 and 62, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? No, I think he's going to. Um, and I do. I, I agree with you. I, I like on Saturday the cut-ins uh, that ESPN and ABC did showing the at-bats. I, I'm especially interested, uh, and I'm sure you are too, in, in, in the, the announcers, how Michael Kay will handle it, how John Sterling and Susan Wallman will handle it. That, that's some of the best parts of it is going back and watching it. It, it, look, because of who he is, because he's 30 years old, he's approaching free agency, and he is the most, I can't say I've spent a bunch of time around him, but in the playoffs a couple of years ago when he was really struggling, I have never seen a person handle it better than that kid did. And so he's one of the ones you you, you root for, and just look at him. Doesn't he look like a New York Yankee? <laughs> that guy, when he stands there in the on-deck circle, 6'7", 280 pounds, you go, Whoa, that's a Yankee right there. So yeah, I do I do and he's going to get it, you know, I think they they have 3 in Toronto, then they they um I think they finish at home with the Texas Rangers, so surely he'll get it there. But he'll get it. It's going to be a terrific moment. They only I think they only have 3 home games left, so maybe he'll get it in one of those. That would be perfect. He's going to get money from the Yankees, right? There's you don't believe there's <clears throat> any chance he'd go somewhere else, do you? Um you know, Kenny Rosenthal wrote a great piece in The Athletic on what can Aaron Judge learn from Albert Pujols. Yeah, okay. you know, it's yeah. sort of bittersweet to see Albert back in that uniform. And maybe they needed a divorce in 2011 because of the length of the contract the Angels were offering Albert. But don't ever forget that if you go somewhere else, all the equity that you have built up, you lose it. And also the Yankees aren't hurting for me. I just can't imagine. But there is a legitimate discussion to be had about how many years the average annual salary and all of that to be had he was rankled that brian cashman leaked that they had offered him i think it was seven years 213 million dollars or something like that and and you go from there you know 
eight years, 250. I mean, he's not going to get 400 million because he is 30 years old. He's entering his 31, age 31 season. On the other hand, I would say to the Yankees, what's the value? What's the the what's the damage done to your franchise by losing him? Obviously, the Yankees are the Mississippi River; they roll on. But you want him. He, he's one of the special people. He's one of yours. Yeah, he's going to get it, and I can't yeah. imagine they won't sign him. And also, Aaron Judge is a very smart person. Where's your Where's your greatest earning power? Of course it's in New York City. Of course it's in New York City. And where are you most beloved? New York City. Um, people don't leave the Yankees, and I can't imagine he's going to. This is the point that I would make. The Yankees keep who they want, and people yep. want to be with the Yankees. And when you say... What is the value of losing someone like that? Look at the Washington Nationals. Oh, boy. Look what they have lost in less than three calendar years since winning the World Series. All their greats either are gone or cannot play, like Steven Strasburg. Right. Cannot play. They've lost all. And you, it is reflected in the fewer amount of people in the stands and the less interest, except for people like me that are diehards. But... <laughs> Richard, it, 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 they lost all. Yeah, and I don't know how, what they're, what happens now. They're going to have to get a new ownership. I would think they're going to get a new front office. But like when you these were coming, these decisions were coming down when when Bryce Harper was approaching it, and 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 Anthony Rendon and all the others, Max, and you have a big board in your office. Okay. Well, what are we going to be in 2021, 2022, right down the, the line? You can't, but Rendon and Harper and Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, those are not players you can replace. You cannot replace those players. You don't have that kind of talent. And now your, your farm system is not very good. I mean, they have some 18 and 20 year olds that everyone says are going to be good players. Oh, maybe. But the, the, the maybe. other side for the Nationals is this. Um, you know, payrolls are cyclical, and they, they come and go. And you have to convince your ownership, look, Bryce Harper is going to get a, an insane amount of money. But again, as with, we, with Judge, what's the cost of losing him? What's the cost to our franchise? Anthony Rendon, you know, you can say he's been hurt with the Angels and all that. That doesn't matter. What you're looking at is we just want a World Series, and we can win. We're going to have a window here. To win again, you know, you can't project that that Strasburg is going to get hurt. You can't. I, I I don't know that there there didn't seem to be a plan other than screw him. We're not going to give him that amount of money. I agree with that. It, it's wrong. Let, let me get back to Judge for a second, and let me tell you what uh, Kirkjian said to me the other week. He can't get to seventy three. It's not going to be a record. <clears throat> seventy three is the record. In my mind, and I differ from Tim, in my mind, if he gets to 62, it's the only clean 62 we've ever had. Right. But that's in my mind. The fact that he can't get to 73, does, does that diminish what he's doing? No, because I think 60 to generations of fans, yeah. especially you and I, yeah. 60 is a magic number. You know, I thought about this. When Maris and Mantle had that chase in 61, it had been 34 years since since Ruth had hit, had hit 60. When McGuire and Sosa did it in 98, it had been 37 years. So you're going into 98, you're 70 years, and only two people have done it. You know, since then, 24 years since 98, it's been done six times. So that factor, that takes away a little something of it. And again, um, the record book has been tarnished. Yeah. But again, I think I, I hate it that the tarnishing of the record book takes anything away from this guy. I, I mean, I think baseball is serious about testing for steroids. I don't think there's any suspicion with this guy at all. And he's just generally one of those guys that you root for. I mean, I can't imagine people across the country aren't saying, hey, that's pretty cool. I like that guy. I will say this because of age, that 60, 61, 62 is a bigger number to me and probably to you, Richie, than 700. But how do we – it is – Pujols' accomplishment is right. astonishing. There's only three guys that have ever done this. That, that's all there are. And he just did it with an August and September that are just – they're anomalies in his last five years. He couldn't even get the – 
bat around with with the Angels and the Dodgers for a little while there. What do you make of this? It's the most shocking thing I've ever seen. You know, I know him pretty well, and I hated to watch him go to first base on a walk because it looked like every step was painful. And if you saw him try to run the bases, you you'd think, oh my God, this guy is headed for joint replacement, multiple yeah. joint replacements. He was in pain. And what this has done is remind us of who Albert Pujols was. And I've had Hall of Famers tell me, you go look at his first 10 years in St. Louis, best 10 years any player's ever had. 10 years he averaged 40 homers, 40 doubles, and 120 RBIs. Think of that. I mean, and he was in, he controlled at bats, he controlled situations. What's, what's cool now is Albert seems to be enjoying the ride. I think he appreciates who Albert Pujols is. You know, in Houston, he hit the famous home run in the 2005 playoffs. He's told me that um, people, when he's in a restaurant in Houston, he obviously doesn't get back here much anymore, but people will come up to him and go, excuse me, uh, and they want to tell him where they were and what they were doing, like a, like a catastrophic news event right. when he hit the home run. He said, I always tell him, like, hey, you know, you do remember you won the series, right? <laughs> we, we didn't win the series. You did. But that's what he meant to people, and that's what he's meant to people around the game. And uh, he, uh, this, this could, it could not, if, if, this is, if he's really quitting, and, he, and he's a pretty stubborn person. If he says he is, he probably is. But it could not be sweeter for one of the great players that ever walked the face of the earth. Is he well-liked by other players? Uh, I think he was unapproachable in those 10 years in St. Louis. Right. Um, something seemed to click when he went to the Angels that he just said, okay, I know what you guys want. I'm going to give it to you. And, um, you know, like I would go up to him and go, uh, a minute? And he would, like, ah, okay, i got to do it now. You know, and in St. Louis – he was much less approachable. I, I don't know that he was loved. He's beloved now, and he was always beloved in that clubhouse. You know, the the, the massive the the people like Wainwright and, and Molina that know him the best will tell you they've never seen anybody work like this guy works. How he at his craft. You you would go in there, Tony, at three three thirty or four in the afternoon, and he would be coming out of the indoor batting cage covered, drenched in sweat, working on his swing, you know, to try to get it to a place he felt good. He he cared so much and he, he cared about all the all the right things and he, he carried that team, you know. I and I wonder the Cardinals offered him um it was it was seven years and there's some deferred money and all that. I wonder if they've had any second thoughts about it. You know, they've they've been they've won a World Series but they've been to the playoffs a bunch of times since he left. It, maybe it was just you needed that divorce to appreciate what he meant to the franchise and the, uh, the fact that he could he went to the Dodgers and rediscovered his love for the game and then came back. And, you know, when you play in St. Louis, it's a big deal. Every game's a big deal in St. Louis. And you don't, he didn't have that with the Angels. Yeah, it's a lovely story. I had those great fears that he'll end up like Willie Mays at the end, but no. Right. August and September have been great. They've just been absolutely great. I'll get you out of here on this. La Russa will not manage the rest of this year. Do you think he will come back and manage next year? Normally, the, 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 the correct answer is there's no way. It just didn't work out. And I love the guy, and he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He changed the game, the way it's managed and all that. He checked every box. And, and so in a normal situation, you say, it just didn't work out. It's time for you to go into retirement. The the X factor is his relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf. Right. They are close, close friends. There's a lunch group in Scottsdale with uh, – this is one of the lunch groups Wilbon is not part of, <laughs> but, it, but it's Reinsdorf and Bud Selig and Bob Uecker, and, um, and, and Tony's part of that. So that's the part. Like, if I don't know that Jerry's capable of having that conversation with Tony, but I do think – Tony's a very obviously a smart guy, but the, the hardest thing to do is to scout yourself, and he's got so much pride. To walk away like this would be walk away as a failure, and that's not in his makeup. If I had to guess, I guess he won't be back, but I don't know how that plays out given the dynamic of the personal relationships involved. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. Talk soon. Thanks, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls. We will take a break. Uh, we will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. But don't send in faxes. Thank you, Jason Fuse. Now, do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? It's a good day. Yes, it's a very good day. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled, especially if you get the bagel sandwiches like we got today. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and I, this is probably from a movie, and I don't know which movie. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Okay, people, listen up. The people upstairs have handed us this one, and we got to come through. We got to find a way to make this fit into the hole for this using nothing but that. I was going to say something like Zero Dark Thirty, but I don't know. Apollo 13. Okay. When they're going to fit the yeah. one, the O2 yeah. thing into the other O2 thing, yeah. just spill a bunch of stuff on the table. It's just great. <laughs> it's great. It's just great. Yes. Thanks to today's guests, Michael Wilbon, Richard Justice. Thanks to today's sponsor, Simply Safe and Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. This comes, this is about Flightline. That's that horse that we talked about. Which, that, by the that way, Malay sent us the drawing of, and that flatter said he knew. Somebody sent an email with a link to an article that said after one of the races, the queen called to check on the horse. Like this, so this is months and months ago that she was. Well, I would hope so. It wasn't yesterday. <laughs> it, wasn't, yeah, it was she's, not yesterday. She's no longer signing. <laughs> no, she's not. But apparently, she that that this horse had caught her eye as well. From Al Ruggles in Lexington, Kentucky. Being in the horse industry myself, I enjoyed the discussion of Flightline the other day, and comments from Andy Byer via Nigel and Ron Flatter. Here's some additional information about this special horse. His Kentucky bred was purchased at the 2019 Fasig Tipton yearling sale in Lexington, Kentucky for $1 million and is by leading sire Tappet. It is true he did not his he did not start until April of his three-year-old year and therefore would not have been prepared at that time to compete in the Triple Crown races. He is lightly raced, winning all five of his starts by an average of 12 lengths, which is over two seconds, an eternity in horse racing. His betting odds have always been less than even money. He is next scheduled to complete in the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic on Saturday, November 5th at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington. Post time is 5.40. I will be there and expect this will be one of the most anticipated races in recent memory. Isn't that nice to know? It is very nice. We really, you know what? We ought to call Andy, because we always call Andy before the Breeders' Cup, and let him talk about Flightline. That would be nice, yeah. Yeah. Should do that. From Matt Wine in Pittsburgh, I went to the Walgreens in Oakmont, the one my dad calls the good Walgreens, to get my booster last week. The woman in the pharmacy who gave me the shot told me that my shoulder would become sore at the injection site, which, come on, this is my fourth time through this spiel. What are we even doing out here? And then I should make sure to massage my arm and move it around so the vaccine makes its way to the rest of my body. I didn't have the heart to tell her that just isn't how blood works. Next time, I'll wait until the CVS on Wilkins Avenue in Squirrel Hill has the vaccine. As we've established on this show, that's the good CVS. I think that's Howard Feynman's CVS, the CVS on Wilkins and Squirrel Hill. Yes. From Pam, signed Wife of Bob, <laughs> Rockville, Maryland. <laughs> Pam, Wife of Bob. <laughs> Dear Mr. Tony, thanks so much for having Greg Garcia on and alerting me to his new show, Sprung. You've always championed Garcia's work, and it's well-deserved. A fan of My Name is Earl and Raising Hope, I was delighted to try Sprung. We just watched the last episode, thoroughly enjoy it. Season finale, and I hope it's not the show's finale, had me breathless with laughter. The madcap pace, profound silliness, and real-world gravitas combined to make this one of the most enjoyable, perhaps the best take on lockdown life. Keep up the excellent work, and hats off to Greg Garcia. I may have to master the podcast world and listen to you regularly. Do we... Is Greg... Is there a second? Do we know... I, it it looks not, doubtful. Do you want me to read what he wrote me? Yeah, what did Greg write? Uh, he, he had a meeting with the people from Freevee, and so we we'll see what happens there. But he's got another project that he's excited to do. And as he wrote that, and he said, "He's always got projects." Then he said, uh, "He was." We were texting back and forth. And he said, "When I was voice texting you that first text, I was walking on the beach and looking up, and eighteen naked people in their seventies were walking towards me. They parted like the Red Sea, and I went past. I think I went too far down the beach today." <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Tony Beeson with a picture. It says, I had the opportunity to meet the legendary DG this evening. Articulate, funny, David is a treasure, and it was a pleasure meeting him in person. And there's a picture of DG wearing an Izod shirt, a Lacoste shirt. This is yeah. amazing. I passed this. Uh, where and around. how? 
you know. Uh, from Joe Checky in Dunedin, New Zealand, not Florida, New Zealand. That's right. In New Zealand, they called bingo housey. They also have professional housey callers. Instead of calling number 11, they say legs 11. Two fat ladies, 88. Kelly's eye, number one. Unlucky for some, 13. Clickety clack, 66. I like that. Knowledge for life. Clickety clack. Michael Murphy, Taylor, South Carolina. On the Thursday, August 18th show, you and Wilbon were at a loss as to what to call the massive dust storms that occasionally occur in the Phoenix area. I hope I can be of assistance. My wife is from the West Valley area of Phoenix, and her parents still live there. I personally have never experienced such a storm, but they certainly have. The proper term for a large dust storm with tornadic activity that you described is haboob. H-A-B-O-O-B. Haboob. The word is Arabic in origin where it was used to describe storms in the Sahara. What do you think of that? Did not know that. That's good to know. From Seth in Columbus, Ohio, not Indiana or Georgia. This past Thursday, I had my wisdom teeth pulled. And as a result, I've been relegated to soft foods for the past couple of days. I've always loved Tillamook cheddar cheese, but I had no idea they made ice cream. That is, until after listening to your show. After hearing that show, I immediately went to my local grocery, a giant eagle, and picked up a carton of their Oregon strawberry ice cream. And let me just say, it's awesome. It might even get the Mr. Tony seal of approval, as it does indeed have little bits of strawberries in it. Pictures attached for proof. Anyway, thanks to all that you and the gang do in an added thanks for putting me on to Tillamook ice cream. You know, it helped me get through my wisdom teeth removal recovery. That's interesting, isn't it? It's nice. Um, I'll do one more because it's very nice that we do this. This is Neil Tuck in Los Altos, California. And I want to get this out so I can show everybody. This is from a new pile of email. This is a new pile. This is a secondary pile. Well, but it's, you know, yeah. I don't get to all of them. No. Dear Grandpa, a little ways back, I was walking my golden doodle, Fenway, 85 pounds, through nearby Stanford University. I stumbled upon a display that highlighted some of the recent senior award winners for the Stanford class of 2022. Imagine my delight when I saw the winner of the James W. Lyons Award for Service was none other than Brooke Forty. I said to Fenway, I know her. I was very excited to have my own David Aldrich moment until I thought to myself, she's a Stanford grad, Olympic medalist, award winner, headed off to the Peace Corps, and what do I do? I sit on a couch, drink beer, and listen to two bald men argue about sports on PTI. (laughs) Congratulations, Pat, one of your best guests every time. See the award below. And it's the lovely service award. That's great. That's fantastic. Isn't that nice? Really is great. So wonderful. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce them? Yes, there's George Palasol, (coughs) Ringo Stone, and Paul Machamley. Like 
chocobo, go find a giant chicken. We got the science facts, we're dropping science fiction lines from Emmonsburg to heaven. We're like Jeremiah Dixon.
I can't even pretend I pen rhymes that others have said can bend minds. Your head rise if you try to comprehend lies. Go listen ten times, then you'll end wise. Cause when I get the mic, it's like I ascend sky. Does cry, butterflies get tied up and confess that they really need to reassess how to get fly. It's sweeter than highs with a buzz like red wine. Bath and body works, calls me fresher than pie. And time with me is sage. 